me i did a little experiment to see how much canada's pinball podcast fans could miss the show could you go a whole week without an episode of canada's pinball podcast i'm sitting here before you the only pinball podcaster with a fractured rib and my god if you've ever broken a rib you know this is one of the most painful injuries you can't breathe you can't sleep you can't move i did not fracture my eighth rib by choice. I'm in a lot of pain, but you know what'll take the pain away? Thinking about pinball for a, for a half hour or so. So let's do that right now in episode 459 of Canada's Pinball Podcast. And there's been some pinball developments since we've been away, since we've been mending the world's number one pinball podcaster. And one of my biggest rumors has come true. And that was, and I told you so, that Jersey Jack Pinball would be moving his manufacturing facilities to Chicago. And really, it's funny because it's like just down the road from Stern Pinball. And so what do we think about Jersey Jack moving to Illinois? Is it now going to be Illinois Jack Pinball? No, it's not. I don't think they're going to change the name. But I think this move is, 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 is long overdue. And Jack did an interview with This Week in Pinball in which he says the reason why they're moving their operations from New Jersey to Chicago is because they've outgrown their New Jersey facility. And I'm here to tell you right now on Canada's Pinball Podcast, and it's the reason why you love this show. I'm here to tell you right now, I think that's a flat out lie. I don't think this is a move because demand was so great for their product that they had to move operations there into a bigger facility. It's cheaper. It's cheaper to make pinball machines in Chicago. More of the talent associated with pinball is in Chicago. More of the vendors and the parts and the suppliers are in Chicago. There's trade shows in Chicago. You don't have, there's more arcades and barcades in Chicago. There's more ability to test your games out in Chicago. There's just so many advantages to being in Chicago over New Jersey. And also I think the biggest thing is it's much easier to get workers and skilled laborers who know how to make pinball machines in Chicago. Because you can't tell me if Jersey Jack Pinball doesn't offer another dollar or two more an hour that they can't go grab a bunch of employees from Stern Pinball to come and sit on the line and make games. And these are people who have been making games for decades. So that is why Jersey Jack Pinball is probably moving to Chicago. I mean, Jack is the ultimate salesman. He'll never give us the truth and just tell us the real reason why. It's always the salesman's spin. But this means that Guns N' Roses will be manufactured in Chicago. Now, the question then becomes is when? When will they be ready to put Guns N' Roses on the line? Is the Chicago manufacturing facility all set up and ready to go? I don't think so. I don't think it's going to happen in March or April. Uh, so maybe they've been tooling this facility for a while now and maybe it is ready to go. But I do know this. They do not plan to show Guns N' Roses until games are in box and ready to go out to people. And Jack's main goal, and I hope he hits it. I really do. 
His main goal is to reveal and ship two games in one fiscal year. And that means Guns N' Roses by Eric and Toy Story by Pat Lawler. Will Jack be able to reveal and ship two games in one year? Now, he said he was going to do that last year with Wizard of Oz and, no, sorry, Wizard of Oz. See, it's, it's, the, it's the pain medications with uh, Willy Wonka and Guns N' Roses. Now, clearly the delays were all to do with the playfield issues and Jack had to stop. Like, I think that created a three to four month delay on their scheduling and Guns N' Roses is a machine that's been done for a while. Now, Guns N' Roses coming out of Chicago by Eric, when will we see the game? I do not think we're gonna see this game at TPF. I also don't think we're going to see this game at MGC. I, I, I just, I, I don't. I, I just don't know if they're going to be ready to go. Now, if we do see it, I do hope that Jack doesn't show this game until it's ready to ship. Because here's something I've been hearing from people. And this is something that I agree with and I want to share it with you. And this is what distributors tell manufacturers left and right. 90 days. 90 days is the biggest key in all of pinball you have 90 days to reveal your game to create hype and to sell as many of those games as you can in a 90 day window okay and it makes total sense when you think about it 90 days from reveal to manufacturing to shipping to taking orders to locking in buyers you have 90 days and then hype is dead people move on three months and people no longer care about your title. And if you think about Stern Pinball, they understand this principle better than everybody. After 90 days, what does Stern do after they reveal a title? They reveal another title, right? Four cornerstone games, three months apart. They understand this to the T. And then in between that, they'll release vault editions and they'll make uh, you know, commission games, but 90 days is the window you have to create hype. That is why when a game like Oktoberfest was revealed and then there was a six month delay to ship it, it was dead on arrival. Even the greatest game of all time, right? Pirates of the Caribbean by Jersey Jack Pinball. What happened when they revealed that game and made people wait like 10 to 12 months? It, it was a sales flop. All People forget this. There is like revisionist history as people are claiming this is the greatest game of all time and it needs to be rerun. People are forgetting that it was so easy to get a Pirates of the Caribbean LE and Collector's Edition. It was easy. It wasn't hard to get. They weren't flying off of shelves. The demand wasn't there. And then now that they're no longer making the game, the demand is there. And that's only because of scarcity. But 90-day window. And that is the benchmark for all of pinball. And that's why if you're spooky pinball, you're doing backflips because you don't need 90 days for Rick and Morty. You did it in four hours, right? They created such a strong hype window that within four hours, Rick and Morty had sold every single spot and not only sold every single spot. Remember, these are $1,500 Bloodsucker Edition non-refundable deposits that Chuck put in the bank that people can't back out of unbelievable in four hours. Okay, let's talk Let's talk a little bit about Rick and Morty, okay? Because I have not, due to my injury last Friday, I have not been able to go to Jack Bar to play Rick and Morty. And it is, it is painful knowing that this machine is literally a 20-minute subway ride, a 15-minute Uber ride away from me, and I can't go play it. 
I, I haven't left the apartment since then. <laughs> I'm in pain. So it, it is painful to me that I have not been able to jump on a Rick and Morty. Now, that being said, I've heard a, a lot of good about this game. I've also heard some people out there are having real issues with the upper right flipper orbit shot. I need to go play it. I've heard from, from, uh, you know, from John at Jack Bar, and he says the game is phenomenal. I've heard from Snow, who won't stop talking about the game, how amazing it is. I mean, he's basically anointed himself the ambassador of Rick and Morty Pinball. And you know how I feel about Hilton. He's a passionate guy. He's outspoken. But he's kind of not the ambassador you want to have on your machine. If he becomes the torchbearer of your machine, you're kind of in trouble. Because nobody really believes him. And he doesn't deserve the credibility. I mean, after all the Predator and Alien, all the people, again, history people. Study your history of where stuff is coming from. Now, that being said, I've heard from many more people other than Hilton that Rick and Morty is a really fun, incredible experience. I look forward to playing it. But here's here's a couple things I want to talk about. So first and foremost, I saw Spooky Pinball is uploading videos on adjustments that you will probably need to make to your Rick and Morty game. And I'm watching them put these videos up on online about adjustments to the flippers and this and that. And I'm saying to myself, oh, that's great. That's really cool. Thanks for that, Spooky Pinball. Hey, do me a favor. Why don't you make the adjustments? Why do I have to make the adjustments? Sorry, my cell phone's going off. I'm not going to stop. See, it just seems so silly to me that consumers have to be told adjustments that need to be made out of box. Why? Why doesn't the company just do these adjustments for us? See, there is something that all of us want to do. And if you disagree, I think you're a liar. Everybody wants to open up a new inbox machine and have it work perfectly. It's brand new. You don't want to have to buy a new car and go get it aligned. And to me, an alignment on a new car is the same as having to align the flippers on the game. Why aren't they playing every game before it goes in the box and aligning everything so that it works? I don't want to have to be bending rails, bending spinners, readjusting flippers, adding this, adding that, making... Why? Why do we have to do this? If you design a game in which the alignment on the shots is so... The, the, the margin of error between a smooth shot and a clunky shot, if you design a game where it, it, it requires such a perfect dialing in of the game, that's a bad design. I'm sorry, but that's bad design. I don't think a pinball machine should come down to like millimeters of alignment or else it's not going to shoot properly. That's not good design. And games should have a margin of error in which stuff will still work and shots will still be makeable and not be rattling around. So I, I look forward to getting my game. I'm also going to do this because it just feels like it's one of those games that you're going to have to set up properly, like per, not properly, perfectly for the game to function the right way. And so I, I luckily for me, I can invite John from Jack Bar over to come set up my machine with me and help me set it up because he'll have a lot of key learnings, okay? Now, look, it's not huge stuff, but it's still weird to me that pinball companies still to this day ship us new inbox games and we have to make adjustments that should have been caught at the factory level. 
Do you disagree? All right. What else is so? What else about this game? So now it's becoming quite clear to people that it's going to be a long wait. And the other thing I saw, which was announced today, was or yesterday was that or two days ago was that Ben Heck and Chicago Gaming Company and Spooky Pinball would be teaming up on a new game. It would be a Ben Heck designed and programmed game. And the reason they're doing this, it's quite simple. Spooky Pinball can't make another game for 18 months. And they are now at a point where their games are so popular that the bottleneck to get games out over at Spooky is now a real business problem. It, it really is. As, as much as it's great that the next 18 months they're sold out, it's not great to grow the company because they're leaving so much money on the table because you don't think Charlie would want to make and ship all 750 Rick and Mortys to consumers in just four months and then move on to the next game? You don't think they would want to have more of a pipeline of games coming out? And because of the way they're structured right now, Spooky Pinball is very unattractive to designers because they're going to have to wait forever and a day to get their game going. And we know that was a lot of the reason why uh, Ben Heck had parted ways with Spooky Pinball because he was frustrated in how long it was taking to get a game out. And I think Charlie now sees that with the right theme and the right amount of goodies in a game, he maybe should have made Ben Hex Evil Dead. Now, will it be Evil Dead with Chicago Gaming Company? Of course it will not be Evil Dead. I don't know. Evil Dead is not a big enough theme to warrant partnering with Chicago Gaming Company. Now, here's the thing. I want to talk about this. I don't think anyone knows what it is. I don't think we're going to know. Here's my main thing with this announcement is very simply, why? Why did they announce this now? And I talked to Ben. The game is over a year away. Why are we, are, why are we announcing this partnership over a year out? It doesn't, I mean, like it's no big deal. But something was said that I think is a big deal, and I think it was somewhat of a mistake to say this, and I'd say it to Ben if he called me today. He wrote that this is a retheme of a game he was designing while at Spooky Pinball. Okay, so here's why I think that's a colossal mistake. Because deep down inside all of us, we want a pinball machine designed from the ground up based on a theme we love, but we want the theme to dictate the design of the game, right? You should know what the theme is before you ever put pen to paper and start making the machine itself. Why are you reskinning what we know is probably Evil Dead into something else? To me, this just makes no sense. It made no sense to reskin Archer into Iron Maiden because when you do that, when you do that, how can you not say that there had to be creative limitations to what you made because you had to already work within the pre-existing sandbox that you already designed for another theme? And when Ben Heck designed an Evil Dead pinball machine, you're, you're not, you can't tell me that he didn't put certain things in certain places because he was trying to bring the Evil Dead to life in pinball form. 
And so then if he goes and reskins it, and let's say hypothetically, he makes it Gremlins and Evil Dead design becomes Gremlins. Well, if you were starting from scratch with Gremlins, wouldn't you maybe have designed it completely differently? Because your entire concept of what that world would be under glass would lay out differently. And, and that's just my thing with pinball, is I think a game should always be designed from the ground up based on the theme. So I'll give you an example. You take one look at Pirates of the Caribbean, and you see Eric designing a pirate world under glass from the ground up. You can't reskin something into that. It's got a freaking rocking ship. It's got a whirlpool. It's got a treasure chest, right? Everything is in its place based and guided by the theme. The same thing with Willy Wonka. The same thing with Wizard of Oz. You know, a game that I think I would say like The Hobbit to me feels more like a boring generic design that could have just been a reskin of a lot of stuff. You could put something in place as Smaug and something else popping up. And to me, that's where The Hobbit failed. It just felt generic. It felt uninspired. It didn't feel like it was created by, you know, some inspiration by another world. It just felt, ugh, you know? So that's, that, I would not have said that if I were Ben, that it's a reskin of a spooky design. All right, so, but, but look, we're a year out. There's so much exciting stuff coming. It's like almost impossible to think 12 months from now with what's coming in the pipeline. But we do know this, Ben Heck designing it, gonna be a licensed theme, and it's going to probably most likely have Christopher Franchi on artwork, which is music to many people's ears, which is great. But here's the thing with Chicago Gaming Company. They can't even get their next title out. Again, people are like forgetting the troubles with some of these companies. Where the hell is the next game? We've had Medieval Madness and Monster Bash and Attack from Mars. Where is the next remake? It's taken forever. Supposed to be Cactus Canyon. It's not going to be, there's not going to be a new TPF, uh, a new game at TPF from Chicago Gaming Company. So I also, you know, I think Chicago Gaming Company is having its own delays. And I think they need to figure out their manufacturing better because uh, we need to move forward. But I'm excited by the, uh, you know, the, the thought of Chicago Gaming Company making original games. And also here's, here I think, if you were to ask me, Canada, What's the big story here? The big story is this. This is the big story. Spooky Pinball and Chicago Gaming Company combining forces. The reality of pinball is this, is that making pinball is really difficult. I am shocked that all these boutique companies keep popping up wanting to do manufacturing themselves, wanting to go through all the trials and tribulations and, and, and extensive cost required to get pinball machines out in the world. And yet, why don't some of these boutiques just connect and combine and bring their operations under one roof and share the manufacturing cost and actually give Stern some competition? It makes total sense that Spooky Pinball, a company that has tremendous goodwill, a company that has a lot of fans, a company that now knows the secret sauce. Spooky Pinball now knows the secret formula. They can't go back. They can't go back and make obscure, niche, sort of horror movies, spooky themes that Chuck and Bug love. That, that company was built on themes that Chuck and Bug were into. They now understand where success lies. It lies in more 
mainstream themes. It lies in licensed themes that have larger audiences. It lies in themes that have contemporary audiences. They can't go back. They know now what Stern has always shown us is the way to succeed. This is what you need to succeed and grow pinball companies. But they don't have the resources and the capacity to make games fast enough. They definitely know now what to give people to make the demand high. So it makes total sense that Chicago Gaming Company and Spooky would collaborate on this. Now, the funny question is this. I mean, think about it. What, what collaboration is, is there? Like, I don't, I don't get yet now how this partnership is working. Is it that Spooky owns the design of this Ben Heck game and they're lending it out to Chicago Gaming? Will the manufacturing be, where, what roof will it take place under? Will it be made at CGC? Will it be made at Spooky? Is CGC there to make the cabinets and the play? I don't know. I don't know how the, the division of labor will take place. But I think it makes total sense that some of these companies unite and combine forces and stop competing with each other and connect with each other to compete against Stern. Now, another thing I forgot to mention is this. And if you don't think that Spooky Pinball is, has upped the quality in the product versus Stern, the world's largest pinball manufacturer, Stern Pinball, a lifestyle brand. Do me a favor, people. Hilton's Rick and Morty has been played over a thousand times, all right? A thousand times out on location. And look at the game now. The play field still looks like glass. Very, very, if any, dimples at all in the game. It still looks like glass. Look at Stranger Things pinball after over 100 plays. Heck, after 10 plays, a Stranger Things pinball machine looks worse than Spooky Pinball's 1,000 plays on Rick and Morty. And you tell me that we've blown play fields out of proportion, that all the dimpling is BS. It's crap. You are getting a crappy quality stern play field. What else proof do you need, people? What else proof do you need? Why is a little company in Benton, Wisconsin, giving you a better paint job and clear coat than the biggest company in the world? It's a joke. And I think Stern Pinball needs to up the playfield game. And if people get Ninja Turtles and it's a dimple fest, people are going to get tired of the crappy quality of Stern Playfields. I still don't know how you rush to buy these Stern games. I really don't. And I'm not saying they're bad games. I just think the quality is embarrassing for the fact that they have the most resources to make these things the best. And a little company is just showing them how it's done. All right. Oh, wow. What else is going on? Dutch Pinball. Dutch Pinball seems to be working it out. So if you look at Dutch recently, they're doing what I said I wanted them to do. They're uploading photos and videos of production. Have you seen the early Achiever apron they're making now with the lights underneath it? Super cool. And it lights up with the light show. But here's what Barry needs to do. Now, is it Barry? Or, no, it's Yop. Who's, no, who's there now? It's Barry there right now, right? I get confused. Who's who's still there? Batman or Robin? What they need to do now, what they need to do now, it's Barry. What Barry needs to do now, he needs to finish this game. And I mean finish the coding of the game. And for people who have owned Big Lebowski, it, it's still an amazing world under glass. It's still one of the coolest games I've ever seen since I've been following pinball. The problem with the game now is for a homeowner, 
the Big Lebowski is too shallow. And, and everyone who owns it knows that. So he needs to do that. And I think he needs to make uh, spare parts readily available to everybody. And if he can keep going, I, will, I do think if he can keep going at this pace, I do think he will sell four to 500 at that price point. But what I think he needs to do, and this is just a lesson learned from Pirates of the Caribbean and everything else, I think what Barry needs to do is I think he needs to say, we're gonna make this many and no more. I think the second he says we're only making 500 Big Lebowskis or 600, I think that is the day in which everyone goes in and, and buys one again because it, they're just knowing that there's only that many, will it make the price that high? I don't know. There's just also such bad will around this game that I don't know if it's ever going to return. Going from a beautiful machine like the Big Lebowski to one of the ugliest pinball machines I've ever seen. And we've seen some dogs, people. We've seen some horrible, horrible dogs. We've seen Oktoberfest was ugly. We've seen Thunderbirds ugly. We've seen Game of Thrones ugly. You know, Stern's gone through some, some amazing games and some ugly games. And then there's just this game. And that is Heavy Metal. Have you seen the atrocious art package that is Heavy Metal Pinball for 8200 bucks? It, it is one of the worst I've ever seen. And again, this game will always get a little bit of a pass because it's not a Stern game. It's a commission game. Come on, BS. This Stern, who do you think is helping Heavy Metal make this game? Stern Pinball. Who do you think is helping them with the art package? Stern Pinball. I mean, Stern Pinball's making this game. These, these license holders... They don't know diddly squat about making a pinball machine. So all of this is Stern guiding them through the process. The game looks like crap. It's not going to sell. And if anyone buys this, the other game they have in their possession is most likely an Elvira Signature Edition. And yes, you're hearing it first from Canada. Canada's Pinball Podcast is telling you, if you buy heavy metal with that crappy art, a reskin game that costs no money using red dots for 8200 bucks. you need to look in the mirror and say, I'm a freaking moron because it is a moronic thing to buy this game. I mean, you can go get a freaking Hobbit LE from Jersey Jack for like 6200 bucks. You're going to spend $2,000 more on this. Now, speaking of Hobbit for 6200 bucks. Somebody put up a post that said, why do Jersey Jack pinball machines lose money faster than everybody else? Like, why do new in-box Jersey Jack machines lose value faster? And the answer is simple. They don't. They're, they're just more expensive. But almost every single game I'm seeing recently, every single game is losing value. Almost every single game I see now, after a year, is losing $2,000 to $1,500 in value. And it makes sense. So a lot of the Jersey Jack games that were $9,000 are readily available for $7,500, $7,000. And, and that's, that's the drop. Now, Stern Premiums, I think, maybe hold the value the best. And Stern Pros. Because the more expensive you are, the more likely you are to, to, to fall in value. Because if you want to find a buyer you have less buyers at higher price points. It makes sense. Same thing in the real estate market. It's always the multi-million dollar apartments that have a harder time moving than the $1 million apartments or the half a million dollar apartments. 
but I think I think the whole industry, if we're to be completely honest, the whole industry right now is is at an oversaturation level. And it doesn't help. It doesn't help that you've got the economy, which is now being hurt significantly by the coronavirus. It's also, you know, it's laughing because the coronavirus and Texas Pinball Festival don't go together. You look at how to keep yourself healthy during the coronavirus. It's like, don't come in contact where other people have been and wash your hands. And it's like, well, the pinball machine is the worst toy possible. And if you're playing at a pinball festival in which hundreds, there's eight to 10,000 people who are strangers who are using pinball machines and not washing their hands, which is what happens at pinball shows, it is probably the last place you should find yourself is on a pinball machine if you're trying to prevent yourself from getting the coronavirus. But with the economy going down, with the amount of titles that are out there, with the never-ending sort of releases of games and the lack of space, I, I again, I, I just think you're going to see games going down and down and down. And the only games that will hold value, the only games that will hold value are games in which there are not many of them. So it is a marketplace in which only scarcity will maintain a, a game's value. I mean, there's a reason why I bought a Batman Super Limited Edition, only 200 in the world. I paid 15,000 for it. I sold it a year and a half later for 16.5. Two reasons, only 200 in the world, and I had a playfield protector on it that made the game perfect because those games look like crap. The playfields dimple like crap. But again, if they made 2,000 Batman Super Limited Editions, then not so much. And I think that's one of the issues Jack has with his games is he's always made too many editions of each game. And even though still to this day, the nicest pinball machine that Jack has ever made is the direct screen printed Wizard of Oz Emerald City Edition. It's to this day, that's still the most beautiful Jersey Jack machine of all time. He just made so many of them. And now you don't really, you know, you don't even like, you don't even know, like, is it that one? Is it the, is it the Yellow Brick Road Edition one? Is it the Ruby Red Edition? He's made too many. He's made too many. And getting a Waz is so easy. I mean, think about like this. If there's, say there's 5,000 Wizard of Oz's out there. Well, you, you, you know, and there's only 750 Rick and Morty's. So no matter how much better the game is, if you want to get one, it's just always going to be harder to get a Rick and Morty. And that is why Pirates of the Caribbean Collector's Edition will always hold value because there will always only be 200. Now, I wish Jack would tell us the real number of Wonka Collector's Editions. There's no way he's making and selling 500. And I heard the number, again, is closer to 200. And so we'll see. And if he makes Willy Wonka Collector's Edition 200, and let's say he said tomorrow, we're only, you know, we've made 200 of them. Distributors have some of them. That's all we're ever going to make of Willy Wonka Collector's Edition. You know what happens in a week? They all sell out. They all sell out. And that's it. But if he keeps, you know, again, they're not selling out now because 500, there's not, a, there's not demand for 500. What else is going on in the world of pinball? So American Pinball has released a teaser image. Are you ready for something hot? Now, maybe they're trying to make a joke of the Hot Wheels reveal, but I know, I almost know for a fact it's going to be Hot Wheels, but I'm here to tell you something and then I'm going to end this show. You know, Canada, I like to end it with a little bit of a rumor or speculation, 
But this is something that I'm hearing is going to be what you see when you see this game for the first time. You are used to, what are you used to with American pinball games? You're used to games that are packed with features, with magnets, with ramps, with scoops, with revolving doors, with, 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 with cannon shots down the play field. American pinball has given you jam-packed games for 7,500 bucks. And it has a lot of you thinking that if they get a theme like Hot Wheels, that you're going to get another jam-packed game for 7500 bucks. But I'll tell you, prepare to probably be disappointed. And the reason why is simple. They sank so much money into two games that failed. They failed horribly. They failed horribly when it came to sales. They failed horribly when it came to theme and art. And the games didn't sell. And the way it works in business is you invest in your third property the leftover profits from games one and two. There are none from game one and two. So I think what you're gonna see from American Pinball is one step forward in terms of a, a theme that is finally a licensed theme, but what you're going to see, and I think it's going to disappoint, is I think you're gonna see two steps back in what you expect from them in terms of a fully featured game. And that is unfortunate, and I, I still to this day, I don't know who is taking accountability and who said, let's make Oktoberfest. Why, why did they do that game? Why did they make that game? Your sophomore title is your most important title when you're a brand new company. Not your first, you gotta, you know, you gotta get your feet wet. It's your sophomoric game that matters most and I also don't think American Pinball is going to go out of business. You know, people keep like saying to me like, well, that's it. Then they're done. But they're not done because they're not a real standalone pinball company. They are like a subsidiary of Aimtron, which is a multi-million dollar successful company. And they're making their games inside Aimtron's factory. You see what I'm saying? That This is like a pet project. for It's like Davos Uncle's company. This isn't, again, when, when companies don't operate normally, same thing with Jersey Jack. It's like they got bailed out. Like, yeah, Jersey Jack would have gone under three times in a row with like three fumbled launches. The thing is this, American Pinball, they're in transformation right now. They need help. They need to rethink what they're doing. And if this game comes out, amidst Ninja Turtles and Deep Root and Rick and Morty and all these new games coming out. If, if It's got 90 days. It's got 90 days. And here's the other part. If they rock up to Texas Pinball Festival and they don't have games on the line and games in boxes, they're going to be in big trouble. And I'm just worried that Hot Wheels is not the theme that is gonna have this 90 days hype window. I mean, look at Stranger Things. They still haven't sold out of LEs. Stranger Things is the most popular Netflix show of all time, has tens of millions of fans, and they can't even get enough hype to sell enough of those games. I mean, Stranger Things is gonna go down again. It's Again, it's not a horrible game. It's not this amazing game. It's just eh. It's just eh. It's middle of the road. And even with that power of that theme, 
It's not driving the excitement that Stern thought it would. And you're telling me Hot Wheels, it's not even in the same ballpark. It's not even in the same zip code as, as, a, um, as a Stranger Things theme. And I just think it's, I don't know, I'm worried. And, I, and again, I, I, I don't mean to brag, but I told, I told those guys over there like a year and a half ago, I would happily help them figure out a theme that would work in pinball and they never got back to me. And it's it's their loss, not mine, because they have so much money on the line, and they need to get their they need to get their SHIT in order. All right, everybody, here's the deal. Here's the deal. I'm still mending. I'm still recovering. I, I I'm not gonna do the number of shows I, I have in the past over the next couple of weeks as I get better. I also want to thank all of you out there, and I have I know I haven't gotten back to each of you personally. Everyone out there who's reached out to me, who said feel better who said, like, I, you know, I, I know how painful that injury is. I want to thank each and every one of you for reaching out to me. If you haven't reached out to me, it's cool. I know some of you aren't on Facebook, which is also really cool. The key to happiness in life is staying off of Facebook. I just want to let you know that I'm not gone. I didn't leave you by choice. And I thank that you listen to the show. And I know that when I look at the numbers, even though a week and a half has gone by, we're still going to be right up there at the top with Canada's Pinball Podcast. And that's all because of you. So thank you for listening to the show and putting up with my crazy observations in the pinball world. Have a great day, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. Oh, oh.